Welcome to Poetry Presents, the podcast for emerging and aspiring poets. I'm Indrani Pereira, the founder of Poetry, the home of unheard voices. I'm coming to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge that this is stolen land and that sovereignty has never been ceded. In this episode of Poetry Presents, I'm interviewing an established poet about their creative process. Joining me today from Wajak Nunga Buja is Scott Patrick Mitchell. Scott Patrick Mitchell is a WA-based non-binary poet who is a guest on the land of the Wujak Noongar Nation. SPM's work appears in Contemporary Australian Poetry, the Fremantle Press Anthology of Western Australian Poetry, Solid Air, Stories of Perth and Going Postal. In 2019, SPM won Coal Creek's Literary Award for Poetry, Melbourne Poets Union, Martin Downey Urban Realist Poetry Award and the Wollongong Short Story Comp Prize. Most recently, SPM was shortlisted for the International Googie Goa Prize for Speculative Prose, the 2020-2021 Red Room Poetry Fellowship and the Martha Richardson Poetry Award. Wow, what a fantastic bio. Welcome, Scott Patrick. I'm so glad you could join me today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I'm super keen to get into these questions about your creative process and find out just how it is you go about writing poetry. So the first thing that I'm curious about is where you write your poetry. Do you do that at home? Are you in the park? Are you on a bus? Where exactly are you when those words are written down? Mm, uh, I do like this question. So I have recently managed to commandeer a, a, a home office. And so I do quite a bit of writing in here now in, in this new home office at the back of the house. But it's, it's interesting how a poem comes to you because it's not always when you're sitting at your desk so there will be those snippets of it falling into your head either when you're falling asleep or you manage to clutch onto them from your dreams when you wake up so you have to write them there Um, i always find public transport is really really good for writing i think it's a mixture of having the people watching um and so poems will come to me then as well which is why if you're ever on Facebook, you see me post like a really short fragment of poetry. That's probably because I've been caught without my journal when I've been walking. Um, and so I'll just write it on my phone, post it onto Facebook so that I know it's there. And yeah, and so walking, walking is the other main one. And then I'm kind of lucky in the sense that, you know, having been a performance poet for a little while, um, I, I know how to memorize the poems when they come to me. So I can always keep them in my head. Uh, when I do get home to write in front of a journal. That is a super impressive technique. I wish I could keep poems in my head and so that I would never lose them. Trust me, I really hardly ever remember anything else. (laughs) Maybe that's the key then. Don't worry about what you need to get for dinner. Just remember your poem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, then, so what tools do you use um, when those poems come. So you've said that you'll stick them onto Facebook and post them there. What about if you're at home, where are you writing? Mm, yeah, so I keep a journal. I've had a journal ever since. I think I, started, I was just checking what number I was up to in my journal. I'm up to journal number 90, which isn't really that many. I know I know one poet who is a few years younger than me, and I think they're up to about journal number 180. But I have a journal, always have a journal, blank pages. There's a lot of panic if I lose my journal. That's pretty much become the space where um, 
I don't necessarily write the full poem, but I put all, all of the lines. And so I've developed different kind of layouts as to, you know, if it's just the lines from a poem. Um, so I'll be sure to put them in the journal and then, you know, the, all the other research notes. Um, and then usually nowadays, more often than not, the composition is actually happening on a laptop. So in the office. I'm wondering how you index your poems. You know how sometimes a poem comes to you and it's different fragments uh, and you know that they're all going to come together, but you don't know how. So I kind of tend to put them, I look at the page, you know, double page spread is like this almost three-dimensional space and I just put the lines anywhere, but they're not connected to other pieces. And so they're kind of floating in, in my mind. They're floating on the page. And then when I come to compose it on the laptop, that's when I kind of move them around. Does that make sense? That sounds a little esoteric, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, that does make sense. Do you have a, a particular time of day that you write? Yeah. Uh, look, I want to be one of those people that says, no, I write all the time. You know, I'm a free spirit, but no, I do. Um, it will typically be probably around about this time. So, oh, I'm in Western Australia, so I'm two hours ahead. So it's usually, usually, uh, uh, you know, between, I, I call it the landing period, <laughs> which sounds weird, but it's, it's that preparation of, of, of moving to the office to write. So usually between three and five in the afternoon, I'll move towards the office to, to write and then, and then from five o'clock onwards, I'll probably write uh, for a good for a good while. I used to be one of these people that used to wake up first thing in the morning and write. Um, and you know, I, I love that. There was nothing. There's nothing more satisfying than knocking out. At the time, I was working on fiction. There's nothing more satisfying than knocking out like about 500, 700 words before nine a.m. And it really, really makes you feel accomplished. But at the moment, I'm working more in the evenings with the writing. And I realise it's probably going to change as well. Do you think there's a reason that that has changed or life circumstances? What do you think that could be? Have you thought about that at all? Oh, no. I, I reckon it's probably um, to do with a year that we shall not speak of. <laughs> <laughs> no, 2020, I reckon, was the big shift. Um, I, I think I think a lot of people's well, uh, people I know their habits changed. So I think yeah, I think twenty twenty was uh, probably when it shifted because you know there was so much um, anxiety and um, ennui last year. So that whole sense of uh, fear but not being able to really move and engage with it. And so I think I think it kind of became a case of you know oh you realize that the day was getting on it's like oh I should really start writing and so it's become that kind of habit but I do treat the early hours in the day now as you know the whole admin and uh, working on you know jobs and other projects and stuff like that yeah it's interesting how those things change in response to circumstances which leads to the next question about how you write and if you've noticed a change in how you write and, and by how you write I mean the actual putting down the words on the page so do they get put down on the page as dot points are they fragments paragraphs sentences how do they come fragments largely uh well so page poems fragments um the page poems come as fragments and 
yeah and then i kind of composed them uh they very much are random uh it's not that often these days at the moment and i realize that'll change uh and i'm ha i'm happy for it to change I, i always believe that the writing process is a constant state of evolution and flux i mean i know i know i'll probably probably get slammed by others but you know it's good to have a routine but at the same time you should be open to routines changing at, at a moment's notice as a writer so you know i have big respect for those who do the routine um but yeah you should have always be open to it being flexible so for the written page poems they come out as fragments pretty much at the moment um that's if they're like line broke line have line breaks in them if it's a prose poem i usually get the first the first few sentences um and then it kind of once you try transcribe that onto the computer it then goes from there however the performance and slam poems are a completely different kettle of fish um so what happens there and this is a technique I've developed over the last you know i don't want to give away my age <laughs> the last decade or two um but basically because you have to get on the stage and it I don't I don't like having paper on stage if I'm doing a slam poem or something like that so I like to have it memorized. Um so what I do is this process of building it up line by line. Um so I usually have a starting point and there'll be little fragments of where I know it's going to go but I build it up in my mind and I write it in my mind line by line and then keep on going back so that I'm I'm memorizing it as I'm as I'm composing it in my in my head. uh and then the final stage is just putting on the page um i know how long on the page a 2 minute poem is and stuff like that so if it goes over i'm like okay i've got to take stuff out so two different approaches basically that's really fascinating that there's that difference in the writing depending on what you're doing i'm i'm really interested in the performance and the slam poetry and i'm wondering do you edit in your head as well as you do yeah Yeah, as I'm doing it, yeah, so I figure out what works, what doesn't work, and it's a lot of um there's a lot of emotion that attaches to it as well and gesture. Uh, I'm very I'm very big on embodying the poem and performing it with my hands. So it's very much understanding and accessing the emotion and the embodiment. So yeah, that comes it is edited in my head, yeah. That is seriously impressive, I just have to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. It's just it's just a skill that I've developed because yeah, it just it, I just feel more confident in that way. And it's interesting because I can have I can have about three or four going at the same time. And yeah, I I kind of enjoy it. They kind of I kind of, you know, they feel so much a part of me uh, kind of gestating inside my head in that manner. So it's 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 really satisfying when I get to perform them. because i've been living so intimately with them for a while so that makes me wonder if you write them all in one go or a bit at a time and from what you've just said it sounds as if you sort of switch between different ones and maybe they sort of come a bit at a time yeah yeah they come they come a bit of a time at a time and so it reaches this kind of interesting you know the fragments kind of congealing together in the head um and it's pretty much 
similar on the page, I actually think now that I'm thinking about it. So you have a number of fragments and they kind of come together and then it's almost like you're standing in the right spot at the right time to see how they all connect together. And then it just, and then it's really, really fast process in the brain of it all just kind of clicking into place. Mm. So do you feel as if there's a whole bunch of stuff that is happening kind of in the background that helps to bring them all together and have those fragments congeal? Yeah, but I don't question what that is. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't, yeah, there is, there is stuff happening in the background. I think it's a lot of processing of emotion and, and trying to figure out what the emotion is, but I, I trust, I put my trust and instinct in the process rather than poke at it in case it all falls apart, which has happened once or twice, you know, you're doing a poem and you, you kind of, and it's still in the head and you interrogate it too much and it falls apart. It kind of shatters. So I've learned just to live with, with it and trust how it's all coming together. That's very interesting. So when you write that poem on the page then, is that when it's safer to interrogate it? Yeah, totally, totally. Because then it, yeah, because then it's kind of almost, um, I'm going to put it in air quotes, it's almost captured. Um, so it's, it's a much safer way to do it. And then, you know, it's that process of, um, oh, I hate this phrase, but it's the appropriate phrase of killing your darlings, that um, of removing the pieces that aren't working and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's a safer way to do it. <laughs> I think that's really good advice because there's something about a newborn and a, a poem can be a newborn that's so yes. fragile that needs protecting really and it needs protecting from your critical self, I think. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think the older you get and, the well, the more, the further into your poetry that you get, the further into your poetry career, the more authority that critical voice carries inside your head. And, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a good voice. Um, but, yeah, it, it tends to, it, you, have to, you have to protect what's new until it can, you know, until it's got its own legs to be able to run away from that critical voice. <laughs> I'm interested to know if you have a writing routine when you sit down to write, is there an order in which you do things or is it more of an ad hoc approach that you have? Ooh. Oh, I, I know the right answer is I have a routine. <laughs> but um, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's pretty much ad hoc. Um, I, know, I know that when it is the process of sitting down to write the poem, it is... I'm always surprised at the dedication space that I provide that poem. So it will get, you know, a, it'll get a good couple of hours out of me. And I'm always quite surprised by that because it's that process of sitting down, you work on it and then you get up Well, I get up, I get up, walk away and then come back. And then I get up and I kind of think, Oh, maybe that's me done. And I walk away and then the poem calls me back. Um, so I always make sure that there's this kind of flexibility. Um, you know, I'm a very animated kind of nervous energy person anyway. So I always make sure that there's a space for me to be able to get up and move around when it's when I'm in that routine. So 
I like to convince myself that I finished <laughs> with the poem, but I literally, I'll get up and I'll walk away and I'll literally be coming back to it a, a good, sometimes a good 20, 30 times in the same night. And it's just to move, you know, you know, with writing poetry, it's just to move one word or one line or something like that. But yeah, every time I think I'm finished, the poem just keeps on calling me back. So I allow myself as part of the routine that opportunity to get up from the chair and to get away for a second or, or for a minute or two. But inevitably, I always get kind of called back. And so part of that routine also allows for being able to go out for a quick walk because I find that walking really helps me with my writing. So, yeah, it's it's ad hoc. It's a little bit chaos. It's a little bit freewheeling, but it, I, I get the job done. It sounds fantastic, and I love the idea of adding movement in there because I can imagine that as you're moving your body, you're sort of you're shifting ideas in your head as well and perhaps allowing a different part of your brain to kick in that could help you with the poem. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very much that. It's very much that. Um, and, yeah, there's always, there's always something magical, you know, about being able to let the poem actually move through you. Um, yeah, I always enjoy the process of just being able to walk away for a moment, come back. And it's always, it's always that process of coming back that is what I find um, magical. And that's the space that I allow the poem. Then the poem, you know, the poem says, yep, yeah, you can get up and go away, but hey, you're going to be back in, you know, five minutes to keep working. <laughs> that's gorgeous. I, I, I love your poems speaking to you. They sound quite friendly <laughs> and maybe just a little bit demanding. Oh, uh, yeah, they're, they're demanding. They are very, very demanding. Yeah. My next question is, what do you write in response to? So are they political events, things that are happening in your life? Um, okay, so it, that's, that's another interesting question. Um, I find, and again, I, what is, I find that my process, my approach is evolving or changing or, or all of these different things. So... I mean, I tend to, I tend to stay away from politics in general, but I am finding that I'm responding more and more to ecological and ecological issues and issues around climate justice. So I am writing, I am writing in response to a lot of those kind of things. Then there's also this thing of, if you find a really, really interesting piece of art, um, and you know, I'm, it doesn't even have to be like you know, in a gallery. I'm talking like on Instagram or something like that. So there are sometimes there's these kind of ephrastic poems because I find that art or dance or something will shake something loose. Um, and then I'm also kind of, and I know that this is going to sound a little bit horrible, but I'm also writing in response to the themes that journals have coming up and stuff like that. So I'm very conscious, and this is this has been a big shift in the last couple of months is, is like being really, really conscious of uh, the themes that certain journals have and going, okay, well, let's, let's just see if I can write something, you know, in response to the theme. And if I don't, I don't, but if I do, that's really cool. And if I'm happy with it, I, I can send it off and see what happens. 
so I'm very, very conscious now of, the, of you know, the themes of competitions and journals and stuff. And I'm happy to write in response to them because it gives me motivation to write about stuff. Um, and then there is this kind of um, secret sub subset underneath it all. So I've just finished putting together a book, which I think we're going to be talking about in the next uh, episode of this podcast. I've just finished putting together a book. So I'm working on ideas for the next collection of poetry. So there's, uh, and that's a lot to do with um, LGBTIQA plus uh, identity, activism and archive. And so that is very much underneath everything um, that I'm writing response to. And I'm always reading and um, yeah, reading and finding inspiration for that and making notes. Um, and it's taking me in some really interesting directions and what, what it is hoping to explore. So, but I let that kind of simmer underneath it all. And that's, that's, that's when I have, you know, the time if I want to do something. Yeah. Then I work on something for that. Sounds like you've got a great range of things that you're exploring there. The, the themes coming in from journals, your own personal interests, as well as, you know, what's happening in the wider world around climate and that sounds like a, a lot of inspiration that you've got, but I'm wondering what do you do when you've got writer's block? Yeah, no, I, I do experience writer's block. Um, what do you do with it? Um, I mean, this is the age old question that every single writer asks and, and hopes there's a, a magic wonder answer for. Look, you just live with it, to be honest. Oh, no, actually, the one thing you do when you've got writer's block is that you read. That's the one thing that I do. So I just read whenever I've got a writer's block, I read and I'll just read other poets and uh, material related to the next book and also harrowing articles on ecological climate disaster and the impending end of the world. <laughs> to cheer yourself up, right? Yeah, to cheer, to cheer myself up. No, more, more than anything to remind me that the now is urgent. So that's adding that urgency maybe to kickstart you back in along with reading. Yeah. What, I'm, what I do find reading about climate change and ecological disaster and all that stuff is that it's not so much that's just generating a poem in response to what you read. That's this kind of uh, creates, it's creating an almost long game of poems. So, you know, because the poem, so that kind of the e ecological disaster and climate change feeds into personal narratives around loss, grief, uh, recovery, and, and, you know, experiences like that. So it's finding how the larger hyper object of climate change can be carried in the embodied experience of living and being in the world. It's just making sense of it all and, and being able to carry it, you know, otherwise it is a lot of grief and it, you know, it is, I mean, who knows how long we've got left, <laughs> but, you know, there is that urgency around it all and, and being able to bring it into the personal is, 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 is my way of being able to carry it and live with it. I'm wanting to know if you revise your poetry. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, yes. And that's become, I think that's actually become one of the most important aspects in recent times, um, having just also had the experience of uh, working uh, with an editor on my first book, and that has taught me an immense amount about uh, the little kind of little 
uh, ruts that one builds into their own writing. So the little comfort shortcuts that we have that really uh, only a very short term benefit because, you know, they're redundant, essentially. And it's just learning about how those little shortcuts, those little ruts are essentially redundant. So revising has become a really important way for me to loosen up my poetry. And it's just, it's it's a constant process as well. It's a challenging process. Uh, I noticed at the beginning of the interview, you introduced me as an established writer and I realized that I've done I've done the hard yards, I've done the years, but I constantly feel like um l- like a new poet. I really, really do because I'm just always learning new ways of unlearning my old ways, if that makes sense. And I think that's one of the most important things for poets and writers to remember is that this is the longest game you're ever going to engage in, but it's also the one way you're going to reinvent yourself constantly. And unlearn all the little comforts that you start off with that you feel, yeah, this is really good. And it is really good. But you eventually unlearn a lot of stuff to keep pushing yourself further and further and further. So, yeah, revising is a very magical space at the moment in my work process because it's showing me how it's showing me how to evolve and how to move forward. And I'm really enjoying that kind of process. Would you say that you used to revise before going through the process with an editor? Yes, yeah, I used to, but not nowhere near the level uh, that I've learned to revise at now. So working with Terry Ann at Upswell has really shown me, it's really shown me new ways of moving forward in my writing and ways of interrogate, interrogating my own writing and discovering what it is that I use to make it, and I'm putting this in air quotes, to make it easier for myself. But again, it isn't, it isn't really that easy because it's, it's just a rut that I've learned. So you, I used to edit before, but yeah, nowhere near the, uh, the level, the sharp, with the sharp eyes that I've learned now. <laughs> Sounds like that's something we all need is, just an editor to be sitting in the corner of the room while we're writing our poetry. (laughs) With their red pen crossing everything out. (laughs) Yes, I can really relate to those redundant ruts and the shortcuts that you take, which at the time they seem like a good idea, but there isn't really a substitute Mm. for doing the work, is there? No, no, it's it's a long game. And so, yeah, the moment you develop those little shortcuts and everything, that's the moment you go, oh, I've got to work around this, which sucks. It really, really sucks because, you know, any other job and those kind of shortcuts and ruts are beneficial because it, you know, it helps you uh, get through the task. Um, but there's, I think, with writing and poetry, every new text that we compose is essentially unlike any that we've composed before. So it has its own, it has its own ecology that we have to create and engage with. And I think that we, um, yeah, we have to honor that. And it just becomes really easy to think that every poem is the same or, you know, has the same process or same ecology. But no, I, I've learned that every single one is a, is a different kind of space and it needs to be honored as such. That's a nice way to look at poems and writing poetry. 
I'm wondering if you've got any sort of broader tips that you can offer for writing or revising poetry for emerging writers. Read. It's a bit of a cliche, but read, read poetry, read other poets. Um, dog, ear, dog ear your poetry books with the poems that you love and then come back to those pages to find out what it is that you love and learn how other poets can shorten it. And then when it comes to your own poetry, listen to the music of it. And we always put in, I mean, I can hear it in the way that I'm speaking now. There's a lot of ums and ers and all that kind of stuff. So when we're writing, we've got to recognize what it, the ums and ers are that we put in our own writing. So usually it's prepositions for a lot of people. And it doesn't hurt to actually take them out and kind of shorten it and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, read, read to learn where to go. And it's really beneficial. I think it's really, really beneficial. That's fantastic advice. I'm a huge reader. I love reading. And so if anyone mm. wants to read, I'm like, yes, thank you for permission <laughs> to go sit on the couch and read a book. A big thank you for joining me today, SPM, and sharing your creative process and bringing to life poems, giving them sort of personalities with little legs running down the hallway. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'd also like to say a thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to read some of SPM's poetry, their debut collection, Clean, is forthcoming in early 2022 from Upswell Publishing. To find out more about Pocketry, the home of unheard voices, visit www.pocketry.com.au and happy writing.